Well, welcome to our broadcast today. God bless you to and welcome you to the Wonderful Words of Life radio broadcast. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, and I plan to take quite a bit of time in this chapter because of the content. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul describes the gifts of the Spirit, and this is a subject that not too many people are familiar with. I know pastors have a habit of not teaching or preaching on this subject, and I think it's because, for the most part, there's not a lot of understanding. And what teaching that I have witnessed in the past uh, concerning the gifts of the Spirit were just atrocious, just not very educated in the ways of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But before we begin, let's hear from Solomon, who said this, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Isn't that wonderful? Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll begin. Well, Heavenly Father, we just come before you now in the name of Jesus. We understand and recognize that you are the teacher, Lord, and we are the ones that are sitting at your feet and learning of you. And the Holy Spirit is here to reveal to us the truths that are in your words, so that, Lord, we by faith might begin to walk in them and practice them and the word of God to come alive in our lives. So, Lord, teach us today and we'll give you the praise, honor and glory for it. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. All right. As I said before, we are in First Corinthians chapter 12. Now, up to this point, the Apostle Paul, he has dedicated two thirds of this letter to correcting and rebuking the church concerning certain things, I'd call them abnormal conditions, that existed within the church. And these conditions were damaging the church's reputation and witness within the Corinthian community. And this is not a good thing. So we can take this point to assume that in the church today, two-thirds of our time in the church will be dealing with abnormal behavior. And that's because we're not perfect creatures. We are reaching on to perfection, but we're not there yet. And we will not be there yet until that time when we take off this corruption and we put on incorruption. But until that time, we're never going to find the perfect church. There's always going to be people, different levels of spiritual maturity that need to be taught. The thing that we want to measure within the church is the willingness of all people to be taught that they have a teachable spirit, that they are willing to recognize faults and failures and go about through faith in the Lord Jesus and through allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with our lives, to be able to grow up in him. Paul said this to the uh, Ephesian church. He said, speaking the truth and love that we may grow up in him. In other words, become mature. So the first uh, thing that we need to understand is that in order to grow spiritually, we have to honor and respect the truth and be willing to uh, be taught by it. 
So this is exactly what Paul is going to be now instructing the Corinthian church. Now, uh, there is in the first verse, and we want, I want to go there, uh, notice that Paul says this, beginning in the very first verse of chapter 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. The word gifts is in italics, which means it's not in the original Greek manuscript. And so actually, Paul is saying now concerning spiritual or concerning spirituals. And that's the Greek word pneumatikos. And it pertains to the things of the Holy Spirit. So Paul in chapters 1 through 11, he has been talking about carnalities. And now beginning in verse 12, he now is going to begin to teach spiritualities. And I think that is a very, very important thing for us uh, to understand. Now, reading again, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So it's very important for us to recognize and to realize that if we are speaking by the Spirit of God, our speech is always going to center around magnifying and praising and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who curses Jesus is not speaking by the Spirit of God. Amen. And I think that's a very important, especially when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. These are unctions of the Spirit. And there are many people that have taken and tried to manufacture and uh, try to uh, use the gifts of the Spirit without the Spirit of God. And you cannot operate the gifts of the Spirit without the unction of the Spirit of God. Amen. So once again, verse 3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God. Now, when Paul says speaking by the Spirit of God, he's primarily talking about the vocal gifts, and we'll, we'll uh, define them and we'll mention them in just a few moments. No man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit are going to magnify Jesus, not going to magnify the Holy Spirit. They're going to magnify God, and primarily they're going to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. It is He is the one with whom we have to do. He is the one that we have to please. Amen. And if we please the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're pleasing God the Father. And if we please the Lord Jesus Christ, we're given greater entrance of the Spirit of God into our heart, into our life, into our ministries. And so, as I said before, the first 11 chapters, Paul is talking about carnalities. Now he's beginning to talk about spiritualities. Now look at verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, we're going to see this word diversities in these next couple of verses. The word diversities, amen, comes from the Greek word diuresis, and it talks about variety. There's different varieties of gifts, but notice it's by the same Spirit. 
That's very important. There's not gifts of the Spirit that are not authored or manifested by the Holy Spirit. All nine gifts of the Spirit are called manifestations of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if God used you in a particular gift, that gift is not yours. That gift belongs to God. God is just allowing you to be used in that gift, not, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of the church and for the benefit of those that you're preaching and teaching to. Verse 5 says, and there are differences of administrations. The word differences is the is same, same Greek word, diuresis, varieties, but the word administrations comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means a servant or a ministry or a service. There are differences of services. There are varieties of services, but it's the same Lord. Notice that Paul mentions in verse 5, the same Lord or the same Lord Jesus. Now look at verse 6. And there are diversities. It's the same Greek word, diuresis, of operations. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. So here in verses 4, 5, and 6, pertaining to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God mentions the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the entire Trinity. So when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about something that is not only approved of, but something that is expected of us. In other words, for the Lord uh, to uh, enable us and us to desire to be used in these gifts. So this is not something that's just one member of the Godhead. This involves the entire Godhead. Now, look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, it's given to every man for the profiting of all. Not just yourself, but those around you. The gifts are manifested for the general welfare and the edification of everyone, not just the one who is being used in the gift, but those that the gifts are, uh, are, are in the presence of the manifestation of the gifts. These gifts are manifested for the benefit of other believers. Now, we are not to use these gifts for covetous purposes. I know there's been much of that in the past. People use the gifts of the Spirit to make income, to get money out of the people. This is covetousness, and this is sin. This is not the way the gifts of the Spirit are to be misused. The gifts of the Spirit are to be used free of charge. Now, if people want to give you offerings or things of that nature, and you're inclined to receive those offerings, because after all, it does say, speaking to ministers, the ox is not to be muzzled that treads out the grain. So if you live of the gospel, amen, if you preach the gospel, you're to live of the gospel. But we have to be very careful that we don't become covetous with the use of these gifts. Now, beginning in verse 8, Paul now is going to begin to break down uh, these nine gifts of the Spirit. Now, Paul uses and lists these gifts according to their importance. But what we have done over years of study, uh, and not just me, I'm talking about those that existed or lived before me, uh, they have cataloged these gifts. There's three gifts that are of revelation. In other words, these gifts reveal something. What are they? Well, they are the word of wisdom, 
They are the word of knowledge and they are discerning of spirits. We're going to talk about the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge today. Then there are the power gifts and the power gifts are faith or wonder. That's what I call it. I call it wonder working faith, the gifts of healings. And this is the third gift we'll talk about today and the working of miracles. Then there are the vocal gifts and the vocal gifts consist of diversities of tongues, different uses of tongues, the interpretation of those tongues and the gift of prophecy. Now, we're not going to talk about the vocal gifts today. We'll reserve uh, that teaching for chapter 14 because Paul, he takes up an entire chapter talking about the proper use of diversities of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. Uh, It takes an entire chapter to talk about their proper use uh, within the worship service. So we're going to begin in verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So let's look first at the word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom? Well, number one, it is not human wisdom. It's not wisdom that has been manufactured through education, through Bible study. It's not uh, a word of wisdom that has been manufactured through uh, training or anything like that. Primarily, the word of wisdom is a word. Notice it's a word, not the word, a word of his wisdom. And it is a supernatural revelation. It's concerning certain facts in the mind of God. And it has to do with directing the believer towards certain things that are within God's plan and purpose, not just for that individual, but for others. And that's very important. And of course, we see the word of wisdom at work both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 6 and notice uh, the word of wisdom employed in the life of Noah. And God said unto Noah, this is beginning in uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch within and without the pitch. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. So here is a word of wisdom that God has given to Noah to show him how he and his family are going to be saved through the flood. And he also gives him tremendous detail in how to build the ark and how to do that so that the ark would be able to survive the floodwaters. And, of course, we know the rest of the story, that Noah and his family survived that flood when all of the earth at that time was destroyed. So uh, God spoke to Noah concerning his plan of salvation. Notice that the Lord did not give to Noah all of his plan. He just gave him enough information for him to begin to get the job done. And so that is, in plain, a word of his wisdom. God gives us just a word, a small fraction or a small part of his wisdom, but enough to direct us to fulfill a plan and the purpose 
of which Almighty God has, not just for ourselves, but for others. others. So the word of wisdom points to something in the future that is going to take place or that we are going to experience. It's a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God that directs us to do something or to say something to be done either on our behalf or on the behalf of another. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 10. Let's look at another instance of a word of wisdom. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. See, once again, here is a word of wisdom given to Cornelius because of his heart cry concerning salvation and also his desire to give. Isn't it interesting how when the Spirit of God touches somebody, they always want to give something in response? And that's exactly the heart of Cornelius. God was dealing with his life. He was praying much. He had a love for the Jewish people. He was giving them alms. And then one day as he was praying at three o'clock in the afternoon, an angel appeared to him and gave him a word of wisdom through a vision what he was to do. And of course, we know the rest of the story. He sent servants and they found Peter and brought Peter back to his house Peter preached, the Holy Spirit fell in that entire house. Not only did Cornelius and his family get born again, get saved, but also all his friends that he had called uh, to this meeting, they also received Christ. So this is a tremendous and a wonderful uh, gift, and it's something that you and I should seek for. Now, once again, Paul did not teach the Corinthian church uh, the Nine gifts of the Spirit broken up into three different sections. He started with the most important gift, and he went on down the list. So he's talking about, very firstly, the word of wisdom. And so if you desire this gift, then you begin to pray, and you ask the Lord on behalf of the church now for the word of his wisdom to begin to operate in the church. And it will. But now I want you to notice something, and this is going to, uh, this is going to. Uh, I hope it doesn't upset people. But uh, these nine gifts of the Spirit, they are always present after a person is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks in other tongues. And I think that through the charismatic renewal, there are enough people and all the major denominations that have been touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit, that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and that speak in other tongues and pray on a regular basis. I remember reading an article that said over half of the Southern Baptist Convention was uh, were uh, 
made up of people who were filled with the Holy Spirit and spake in other tongues and prayed in other tongues as a prayer language. And so there's enough influence within our mainline denominational churches, Pentecostal churches, that uh, these gifts can be exercised for the profiting of all. Notice that the gifts, the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are for the profiting of all. And so we should desire this gift. All right, now, the second gift that Paul talks about is to another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So, as with the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, it's a supernatural revelation. So we're talking about two of the three revelation gifts. The third revelation gift being the discerning of spirits or the ability that God gives to see into the spirit realm. But we're talking now about the word of knowledge, which is a supernatural revelation of certain facts in the mind of God concerning things, people, situations in the present, but not in the future. And so we're going to give a couple examples of this. Now, let me go ahead and give that definition again. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of certain facts in the mind of God concerning things that are present. It has to do with people, has to do with things, situations, and such as that. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, I want you to notice that uh, and when Samuel had caused all of the tribes of Israel to come near. The tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further. In other words, they began to pray. If the man should yet come hither, And the Lord answered, Behold, he is hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. So Paul, at this point, was a very humble man. And he was uh, afraid of what Samuel had said. And he didn't want to be any part of it. So when it was time for the king to be chosen to be presented... He went and hid himself, and nobody knew where he was. Nobody could find him until they prayed. And when they prayed, God gave to them a word of knowledge and told them exactly where Paul, I mean, where Saul was hiding. And so they went and found him, just exactly what the Lord had showed them. Now, the word of knowledge will either come uh, via a word, or it will come via a little image or a mini vision, a vision in your spirit. In other words, you see in your spirit like you're watching a television program. You see an action. You see something that needs to be done. And I've had that happen to me several times. I have lost things or misplaced things. And uh, I had been, was praying, asked the angels to show me where this uh, certain thing was. And lo and behold, in my spirit, I see a picture of it. I see where it's exactly where it's at. And I go to that place and lo and behold, there it is. And so this is a very important gift. It's a gift of the word of knowledge. I remember years ago, uh, this is right after I had gotten saved, that uh, I was uh, working in workroom and I had my back turned to the certain fella. And I didn't know that he had a Playboy magazine. 
And he said, hey, John. And as soon as he called my name, I saw in my spirit, I saw him hold up the centerfold of this magazine to uh, play a trick on me. It was a dirty trick. And so I knew that beforehand. And sure enough, as soon as I turned around, that's exactly what he did. See, that was a word of knowledge showing me of something that was going to happen in the very present. And so this is a very important gift. If we have a word of knowledge, we can be able to minister to people. I remember years ago, I was ministering in a certain church in Jacksonville, Florida, And after my message, I invited all those who wanted to be prayed for or to receive prayer to come forward. Well, there was quite a few that came forward, at least a dozen, if I remember right. And the very first person I prayed for was a young lady. And uh, at that time, back then, I didn't ask people what they come, what they came uh, for prayer for. I just went ahead and and, and, uh, took her by the hands and I just began to pray. And as I was praying, I saw I had a little mini vision on the inside of me, and I saw a man with a scowl on his face, very angry, uh, very, and his anger was demonstrative. He was arguing and fussing. And I told this young woman what I saw, and she broke down and began to cry and come to find out that was her husband that she was married to. And he had gotten so mad at her that he had left her. And see, it's through that supernatural gift that we were able to pray for her and we were able to help her. Otherwise, now, I could have asked her. She could have told me. But see, God moved in this supernatural way to help this woman, to let her know that God was alive and well and God was working to help her through this situation. Now, let's look at... A passage of scripture, once again in the Old Testament, 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. This is the incident with Elisha and Gehazi. Notice what uh, the writer records. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian and is not receiving in his hands. That's what he should have. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there become to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. See, uh, Gehazi is lying. He's lying through his teeth. He's guilty of the sin of covetousness. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of garments. See, this is is very important. This is where charlatans take advantage of people. Because I've read about this in the past, and I'm sure it may be even happening today, that when the Spirit of God moves, and He will move in a situation, and He will move through people that are not right with Him for the benefit of the people. And when the Spirit of God moves, immediately... Uh, the minister takes advantage of the situation and calls for an offering. And when people are touched by God, they will give. And I mentioned that before. I'll mention it again. You see, it's a very dangerous situation because ministers who do that, if they don't straighten themselves up, if they don't repent, then what happens is that they die prematurely. And this has happened many times in the past. 
So we have to guard against these things. The gifts of the Spirit are not to be abused. They're not to be trifled with. They're to be used ultimately for the glory of God. Now, verse 24, and when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and he let them go and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master and Elisha said unto him, whence do you come, Gehazi? And he said, thy servant went nowhere. And he said unto him, went not, listen to this, went not my heart with you when the man turned again from his chariot to meet you. Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave to thee and to thy seed forever. And he went out from thence and as a leper, as white as snow. This is very important. See, the word of knowledge not only reveals something that is going to be beneficial, but a word of knowledge can also reveal the sin in a person's life. And so this is why this is a very important gift. And pastors, if you're listening to me, you better pray for God to begin to use the word of knowledge in your congregations because it'll help you keep out charlatans and people that come to your church for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to destroy it. So this is a very important gift, and I think every minister of the gospel should be able to be used by a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. Uh, These two great gifts uh, will really propel the church to upward levels of revival and of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Now, it was the Lord Jesus also who received a word of knowledge. Amen. But I see right now that I'm out of time, so we'll have to stop right here and continue on next time. This is Pastor John Dunning with the wonderful words of life. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.